I'm Asan. It's Friday, and this is the Friday show. The Barclays is back. City go to Vincent Company's Burnley for what I believe will be our first ever Friday night Premier League fixture, although I'm happy to be corrected if that isn't correct. The treble winning champions kick off the opening weekend and joining me to buzz off it all, I've got Lloyd and George. Morning, Lloyd. Morning. Are you buzzing? I am. I'm also a bit lost though, because I had a day yesterday where <laughs> I didn't really look at my phone because I was really busy and what has happened around the Prem? Mental. I, I woke up to 48 WhatsApp messages at half six this morning and you immediately you panic and you think family. And then as soon as I see that it's not family, it's all football chat. I'm like, what on earth happened last night after I fell asleep? And yeah, I guess we're about to talk about it. Morning, George. Good morning. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Ready you, for the are, Barclays to be back in my life. Are you buzzing? I am, you know, I am. I'm, I'm ready to see the boys in blue. Me too. It's funny how, like, I've I've, I've had a summer of kind of going back and forth, and this is going to feed a little bit into the, the first part of the pod where we're really going to talk about City summer transfer window, the players that we've signed, Kovacic and Bardiol, and how we feel about them um, and what else we could do. But I feel as though most summers you end no matter how well you do the previous season on some level how you feel in the summer is dictated by the transfer market and i've gone back and forth this summer between being quite relaxed and then being quite stressed and and i landed about a week 10 days ago on this idea that i just feel like the squad is too small and i feel like it has to be stronger they they've got to do something because otherwise They'll just be, it'll be weird to win the treble and then go into a season weaker than the previous season. But I think that that sort of does Kovacic and Gvardiol a little bit of a disservice. Not so much in that I feel like, I feel like we don't need players. I do feel like we need players, but I also feel like we signed two boss players, man. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it, there's so much, there's so much to look forward to and there's so much, I think a lot of intrigue into just from a city point of view, how we play, how we set up, who plays where, the phone and conversation. It's just, it's, there's just, I'm buzzing. There's just all the unknowns are making me very, very, very excited. Um, so yeah, I've, I've mentioned transfers and I think that's where, that's kind of where I want to start. I'm going to stick with you, George. Firstly, Kovacic and Vardiol, how do you feel about those two signings? Very, very happy. I'm very, very content at present with them. Obviously, I think we do need a few more pieces, maybe. At least one more piece, definitely. But those two players, I think Kovacic, I really, really liked what I've seen so far from him in a City shirt. He's, I think he may assimilate to the City squad the quickest out of any midfield signing we've we've made so far, just in terms of the ability he possesses already. And his defensive ability... Um, makes me think, you know, Rodri can be rested in a couple of games against teams where we're going to have a lot of the ball and we can play him, which would be great. So Rodri doesn't have to play about 84 games a season as he's been uh, complaining about a kind of a bit in the, uh, in the yeah. press recently. And then Gvardiol, you know, he's the hottest prospect at centre-back and he's left-footed, which, you know, everybody's clamouring over at the moment, managerial-wise. And, you know, left-footed probably adds about 20, 30 million onto his price tag. So 
Um, I'm really, really happy, and I'm hopefully we're gonna we're gonna see him tonight. But we might not. But if we don't, I think we'll see him um, next week against Newcastle. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll see him sooner rather than later. I think when you kind of obviously the fee reflects his age um, and his potential, but it also reflects his current ability. Um, so you would expect him to start sooner rather than later. I kind of agree on Kovacic. I think the I didn't think he would need time to adapt because Tuchel and Guardiola are very good friends. They share a lot of similar core beliefs from a footballing point of view. I think that if you can play in two or three different positions in Tuchel's version of positional play, then when you come to Guardiola's team, I can't imagine that it that the the concepts that Guardiola is telling you are alien or are new or that the kind of way of playing that you've got to learn how to how to get into is hugely different from from what you've played in the past. I guess the only hope is that, you know, four months of Lampard didn't make him forget everything <laughs> that he'd learned in the uh in the previous uh previous few years. Um do you where do you stand on Kovacic in terms of where he fits i i kind of felt as though when he came in i was a bit like i wonder whether he'll be a guy who will be happy to sit on the bench and but he'll play like he's the the sort of guy that he'll play every big game but then a lot of the small what we consider to be smaller games or easier games he won't play but having seen the way that he's adapted i wonder whether he does end up you know, becoming a core part of the side in the way that Gondo was. I I think so. I think we're going to see a lot of him, especially up until January. And things change after that. There might be injuries, people filling in gaps in in, in the team. But I think we're going to see him start the majority of games, at least up until Christmas. Things might change after that. Uh, But I think he's going to be a big part purely because of that, versatility in the midfield like you say he can play in the two with Rodri fine he could play there on his own if we were playing traditional four at the back and he could play advanced as well in those two those two eights that um, we've been playing a lot recently so I think his versatility his experience his age will all make him a big part of the team Agreed Lloyd jump in how you feeling about Kova and and Guardiol, and also just to kind of push it a little bit further, what more do you think that City need to do? Are you is is the business or the people are doing? Is it making you nervous? It's not making me nervous, but I think it does underline that we are short. I've been pretty pretty consistent all summer. I think the squad's way too small and. Ideally, we need at least one more, if not two. So, a hundred percent, we need a winger, and I think ideally we need a number eight as well. Which is, you know, I think why the club are going after Pakatar. Um, I mean, the di- like one hundred and ten for Kaiseido is insane. Like that is absolutely insane, and <laughs> that's going to probably make cheekies. Uh, negotiations a bit a bit more difficult, I imagine, with West Ham. Um, but I'm 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 pretty calm. I mean, I think Guardiola's obviously a great signing. The irony is, it's in a position that we really didn't need someone, and I could, probably could have t- taken it or 
left it this season, given what we've got, knocking around the port still here, etc. But even that aside, I think he's he's obviously a player for the, you know not just this year, but the next ten years. And then Kovacic, I've been I've been really impressed with him so far. I still think we've got a lot to replace in Gundo. I think Kovacic has got a lot of developing to do to try and push his game forward, particularly in the final third. But I don't think he could have looked at more comfortable till this point. So from the in terms of those two, I'm I'm very happy. I just think we still there's still a lot more to do from our side. Um, and thankfully, it looks like you know the, the club are uh, are prepared to do it and are, are at the table, which is good because the squad right now looks way too small and. A good example is the rumours of that Kovacic injury. You suddenly think, oh, you know, he's out for six months. The squad looks tiny. So where would you... One midfielder, one winger, would that satisfy your um, bloodlust for footballers? It's, it's not it's not bloodlust, really. I know, um, I'm just but, teasing you. But yeah... I, I think that's kind of almost the irony. I think if we get if we get two more in, we look it, it kind of changes the whole picture from looking a bit light to looking absolutely, you know, primed. Mm. Um, because I think the one thing, I think the reason that the city squad narrative is so kind of strong amongst opposition fans, and they'd say things like, you know, "I was literally with someone from work yesterday who said, oh, City's B team would win the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? That that's just a accepted fact by other football fans that are just casual watchers. The reason that is is because our players 12, 13, 14, 15 that would come off the bench, they probably are the best in the league. But aside from those lot, there's really not that much else. You're talking Calvin Phillips, Sergio Gomez, Cole Palmer. So if you add two more to that, then I think naturally, yeah, we look absolutely stacked. Um, but when you denigrate the squad and you allow guys to leave which we have over the last two or three years and then you don't replace them obviously you know we're on that kind of teetering line aren't we so yeah I think if, if we were to if we were to sign two I'd be I'd be very very happy and I almost don't care who they are in a way really I mean I, I wouldn't want to go down the Calvin Phillips route again I, I, I think you know no no I, I, I'm not advocating that but what I mean is you know, from a winger perspective, whether they sign someone like Doku, whether they sign someone like Elise, you know, I'm very happy for the club to kind of go with who they think. Um, obviously, on a midfielder, yeah, you know, it's got to be someone of a certain level. I don't think Calvin Phillips, Mark II, or I don't know, Tyler Adams would do the trick. But, you know, if they think Pakatar is the guy, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I was going to ask you about that. I, I've, it seemed to divide opinion quite considerably on the timeline. I think part of the the division of opinion was down to the mooted fees. Do we have to accept to a greater or a lesser extent that the market is what it is and you're just going to pay through the nose wherever you go? Yeah, I think somewhat. And the, and this Caicedo deal does not help that, does it? No. You know, I mean, 110 for him is... 110 for him, 105 for Rice. I mean, that is, that is insane. Mm. We, You know, 100 mil for Grealish, we were all like, that is just way over the top. But understand why City have done it. To, to pay that much for 
what is essential. I mean, they're both DMs, aren't they? They yeah, they're kind of number sixes that break the game up. I mean, it's just incredible, particularly after Enzo going for similar to Chelsea. But honestly, like asked about money, really. Mm. You know, we just we we need the right player. We need someone that can kind of fill a hole for us. How is Paqueta the right player? I think that's probably the. I think if you if you look at the division of opinion after the money, then the obvious division of opinion is what's he good at, what's he not good at. Is he is he the right player? So for you, from what you've seen, why would he be the right player? So I think he showed, particularly in the the second half of last season, that he's you know probably one of the best midfielders in the league. People might laugh at that, but to be honest, I think the Pakatar rumours have been a really good like bellwether for whether you watch the Premier League or not. And I think some of the opinions about him from certain City fans have been a bit embarrassing, to be honest. Just don't think they've watched him play. Um and if and if they have and they don't rate him, then definitely know what they're talking about. Um might be shots fired, but I, f- I think there have been some shocking takes on Twitter this week. Um, the guy's got 42 caps for Brazil, so is he shit? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He starts ahead of Bruno Guimaraes, who everyone in the Premier League thinks is brilliant. So, you know, if, if you if you think he's garbage or you don't think he's good enough, then... Well, I took... I, I mean, I, I tweeted yesterday, right? And it it it, it wasn't it wasn't a joke... I knew that it. I knew that it'd get a rise, and I did consider not tweeting it. But then I was like, "Well, it's kind of what I believe, so why not?" So my thing is that we were ready to pay ninety five. We bid for Declan Rice, yeah, whatever it was, ninety ninety five, whatever it was. Um, Pakatar is a much more Guardiola City type of footballer uh, and midfielder than uh, than rice's and he's actually closer to what we need than rice's we were we were all kind of sat we did podcasts where we were a little bit like rice is is he gonna be like box to box is he gonna play with rodri like you know he's not really an eight how creative is he can he pass like all that sort of stuff whereas with pakatar i actually think that he's or like if you're looking at players like Bernardo Silva and you and you know how rare they are, he's a Bernardo Silva type of player in that keep the ball for fun. He's super versatile. He doesn't get a nosebleed in the final third. He can almost play as an eight, as a ten. The more I've I've watched a lot of tape of him last night, and the thing that really jumps out at me is. If we sign him, I guarantee you there'll be a game where he'll play one of the wide positions. He'll play wide right or wide left because he has that sort of skill set like Bernardo Silva does that the way that we use our wingers, I can completely see him being used as a kind of possession winger at some point as well. So it's, you know, immediately, obviously, I got the Declan Rice is so much better than 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 Pakita. and I'm just a bit like I don't know, you know, like I, I I'm maybe like there very are some players, though. yeah, they're, they're very well, they're very different, and they're not in the sense that we were in for a centre midfield player, and we were in for Rice, and now we're in for Pakita. So 
they're both center midfield players and they both on some level have got to tick boxes for City. So as different as they are, the through line is our interest in both of them. And I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout way is that from a suitability point of view, I think for what we need, Paketar is probably a bit more suitable. I'd agree, but I think that underlines that the the rice interest was a bit weird. Mm. It was it was a bit weird. It was a bit, you know, it was, it was a bit unserious. The whole Any Luko was right, mate. I'm telling you, she was right. Arteta called Pep, said, "Do me a favor, put a bid in, push my owners along." Are you having it, Lloyd? She angers me every time. I see <laughs> Let me bring George in here. George, how are you feeling about uh, about Pakatar? You feeling it? I am, you know. Um, I think, like I said, there's been so much discourse on him for a number of reasons. The fee upsets a lot of people. We kind of have to accept that. Like Lloyd said, the market this summer has shown if you want a centre mid from a Premier League club, it's going to be 100 mil if the club, A, doesn't want to sell him, and B, knows you have the cash to put a massive uh, bid across. So we kind of have to make peace with, with the price of Pakatar, whatever it'll be, if he does come. And then ability-wise, yeah, a lot of people have written him off, but he played last season in a West Ham side that were fighting relegation, managed by Moyes, who, you know, he's not exactly playing tick-attack of football, is he? He has his own brand. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> Bypass he, the midfield football. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, exactly. He's, he likes his big centre-backs. He likes Antonio and Bowen on the end of things. And his midfield are has to be disciplined more than anything else. Whereas, I guess, Pep asks midfielders to be disciplined, but in a different way. It's with the ball rather than without the ball. And I think, yeah, Pakitar, what I've seen from him in the West Ham games I've watched is he's excellent on the ball. He's a dribbler. His through balls are fantastic, as we saw in the you know the Conference League final. He sets up Bowen right at the death, just cuts through the entire Fiorentina team, and we kind of like like I said, everybody's panicking about the Kovacic injury. Show, showed we are short in the midfield still. So I'm very much for the signing. It's it took me a day or two to kind of wrap my head around it as well, just because it came out of nowhere, and you know I didn't know where he would fit when I first saw it, but. The more I've thought about it, the more I read about it. And like I say, when you go back and watch his, uh, his tape from last season, he's a fantastic player. Mm. Just last thing on, on City, um, and it's a little bit of a loaded hand grenade of a question, but I think it's worth asking Lloyd. Um, are you, shows all about. Yeah, exactly. Are you, are you mildly, are you in any way, shape or form disappointed that treble winning Man City have not put £111 million on the table for Moises Casado? No, that's not what we need. Okay. George? Oh, I'm I'm not disappointed, but I would have also very much enjoyed us doing that, if that makes sense. I wouldn't have been against signing him. I think Kaiseido gives you cover in the midfield. He can be a bit uh, box-to-box, obviously covers Rodri. He can play... Fullback as well, in if we ever need that in a, in a bit of a wider system, he did that for Brighton a few times at wing back. Um, so he, he is a fantastically versatile player, which Pep loves. But I'm not disappointed that we haven't. Same, 
same. I kind of, I just, I'm, I feel as though the one this summer that I really wanted was Bellingham. And as soon as that one went away, it, I almost was a bit like, well, it doesn't really matter to me now who we sign because I think it all becomes a little bit much of a muchness. I think whether you're talking about Rice or you're talking about Caicedo or even if you're talking about Pakatar, um, I think, yeah, as I say, it's it's all a little bit much, much of a muchness. I think, you know, the Alexis McAllister deal, just because of the fee, is going to end up looking really, really tidy oh, for them. Deal. Yeah, it's going to end up looking really tidy for them. But yeah, so... Very quickly, I want to have a before we before we get into Burnley, and we've got a Burnley fan that Mister Hawking had chatted to before we before we drop that in. Quick look at our rivals business. Um, United have done Onana, Mount, and Hoyland. I'm going to pronounce it like that, whether that's correct or not. I'm I don't know. And apologies if it's not correct. Um, Lloyd, what do you reckon to to that? As like, how have they bridged the gap between themselves and City? First question. No, but to give United some credit, to be fair, I think if you would ask a United fan at the end of last season, what do they need this season to be competitive and to improve the team? They'd have all said a new goalie, a number nine and a centre mid. And that is what they've signed. So I think Hoyland's going to flop. And I think Onana will make a big difference. And Mount is a good player. I wouldn't go much further than that. So really, they can't have any grumbles. But I, I just the Hoyland signing t- for me just stinks of someone who's he's, he's not going to do well. But on on paper, I think United fans would have to be happy with that. Like they've they've addressed the key areas of weakness, and you know the players that they've signed across those three. I think most of them are good. Hoyland, there's a bit unknown, but Anana and Mount are not not bad signings from a United perspective. Mm. George, I, th- I think they're all they're all they're all a bit high risk in the sense of you. Know, none of them were that cheap, so the expectations out the gate for all of them will be big. There's there's not going to be a, a settling in period for Onana at 55, 60 million in there. And obviously, he's quite the character. He plays football in a, in a style Ten Hag obviously admires, but it's uh, it makes Edison look like a conservative goalie at times. And, um, and Mount, you know, he hasn't really kicked on from when he first broke onto the scene at Chelsea. And, you know, he had, they've paid big money for him in the midfield, an area which United have been kind of quite weak the last few years. And Hoyland at 70-odd mil as a striker, once he's back from injury, cause due to the nature of United being one of the most reported on teams in the league, he's not going to be allowed to settle in. If he has a few dud games, people won't care if he's 20. They will be on his back. The press will be making stories about, oh, is he good enough to cut it? And... Then, you know, there'll be rumours about United going in for strikers in January or, or the following summer. So I think they've covered the positions they needed, which is great. But I think the scrutiny on those three is going to probably be the highest out of out of any signings in the league, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I just, <clears throat> I think that I agree with both of you. Like, I think it, on the face of it, they've done okay business, Um but I do think that there's a lot of pressure on those players to to step in and perform. And I, 
I guess my big thing is that I feel as though whilst they're all incremental improvements on what they had before, they are very much incremental improvements. They're not, there's not a player in there that significantly moves the needle for me. So I, uh, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Onana's the one where I think it makes a big difference, but I don't think he's a great goalkeeper. I think it's more that De Gea was so bad and so damaging to what Ten Hag wanted to do that signing a goalie that can kick or pass will make a big difference. But it's not, I agree with you, it's not a goalie where you go, they've not signed Allison. No, and I just think it, there's a high level of eccentricity eccentricity involved with Onana. And I think that maybe you can get away with that a little bit more in Holland or in Italy, but in the Premier League where the, the speed of the games is much faster and the intensity is much higher, um, it will be interesting to see which side of the of the dial he lands on in terms of whether he breeds confidence in the players in front of him or it very quickly becomes nervy for everybody involved because they don't really know what he's going to do next. Um, and I agree, like his performance in the Champions League final against us was top draw. And I think that he's certainly got got the characteristics to to really push them for, or certainly the, the way they want to play, push that forward. But we'll see, I guess. Um, Arsenal, they've done Rice, Havertz, Timber. Have I missed somebody in there, Lloyd? I think, uh, Raya. Raya, yes. Sorry, the goalkeeper. Um, so have they moved the needle significantly? Yeah, I think they have for, for, for their squad, definitely. Because I think the big, the big problem with Arsenal last season was when push came to shove, when City turned it on, they didn't have an answer and they couldn't cope with a couple of players getting injured. Now, Rice is a huge addition to the squad. I think he's obviously going to play six. He'll probably play a bit at number eight for them. Havertz, I mean, not for me, but I can understand why they've signed him, particularly if he is going to play as a number eight. I, I do think that is interesting. I just don't think Havertz is a nine and the Community Shield's a good example of that. I was really impressed with Timber at the weekend. I thought he was brilliant, to be honest. And that is a that low key could be a very, very good signing, particularly given they've got ideas of playing Ben White as well centrally this season, and maybe moving Gabriel to the bench because I think he was a bit of a weak link at points last season. And then Raya is one of the best goalies in the Prem, and I think he's better than Ramsdale. It's a confusing signing because they've just given Ramsdale a five-year deal and all the noises is that you know he's their number one but to sign a goalie like that um who like i say i think he's a better goalie than ramsdale i don't think that's a bad thing for them at all so yeah i think it's made arsenal stronger and i think arsenal are probably our biggest rivals this season from a title perspective really are we are we not going to talk about well caicedo <laughs> moves right the needle for liverpool definitely but Prior to that signing, I think you'd have everyone would have had Arsenal clear of Liverpool. I think Caicedo does make a big difference, but Arsenal were very good last year, and I expect them to be similar because a lot of those players are still very young. Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, mm. White, Saliba—like that's a good spine. 
and it will get better with what happened last season. So I, I still think even with Caicedo that that they'll Arsenal will probably be closest to us. George, would you agree with that? Or do you think that Liverpool's Alexis, uh, Zablozai and Moses, Moises, Caicedo, that, that's going to move the needle enough that they could leapfrog Arsenal and be our main challenger? So I think that the signings are going to elevate Liverpool massively now that Caicedo's come in. I think they have some creativity now in Sabosalai and McAllister who are going to be able to find the forwards, which only Thiago has been able to do the last few seasons for Liverpool. And Caicedo gives them that replacement for Fabinho and Henderson who will do the job. I guess the only problem they'll have is if he gets injured now, they don't have they won't don't have any cover still, so they may even need to add in that position. But I think we're going to see a Liverpool team without the distractions of the Champions League really going for the league this year. I think ego wise, Klopp won't want to spend a second year outside of that top four. Yeah, I think I think they need it. I think the if if the Caicedo deal goes through, I think it shows. Um, how important it is for Liverpool to get back into that top four because that's a fee that you pay almost to ensure that you get back into the top four. And I do think, I think the interesting thing is that probably at the start of the summer, we probably looked at Chelsea and just kind of how bad their season was and the amount of money that they'd spent. And you'd kind of go, Pochettino's probably under the most pressure to start next season and do well. And actually, as the summer's unfolded, um, now, as I sit here today, I look, at, I look at Arteta and Klopp and go, the pair of them have to match City stride for stride. And if they don't, it's a catastrophic failure on the part of both of the managers and both of the clubs. There's no excuses. Like, you can't spend what those football clubs have spent in the last two and a half, three years, and then go, we can't compete with City. It's just nonsense. It's uh, the time has come for, the, for them to compete, basically. Um, Lloyd, how are we feeling about the season as a whole in the Premier League before we turn our attention to Burnley very quickly? Do you think the top half of the table will be more competitive or less competitive than last season? Mm. Uh, it's, it's tough, that actually because I think a lot of it depends on the teams we haven't mentioned so Chelsea Newcastle Spurs Brighton Villa I I think my sense is that there'll probably be City Arsenal Liverpool Gap everybody else so I think that the top three will be stronger and there might be more of a gap to the others that's where I'm at right now, as opposed to where we were last season, which was City, Gap, Arsenal, and then a big gap. And a lot of the other teams really struggling. I mean, did Chelsea come bottom half? or They did come bottom half. Yeah, so there was obviously a lot of movement and like Brighton had a great season. Brentford had a great season. Villa had a great season. That's all a bit more unpredictable. But yeah, my sense is probably bit more of a top three this season than a bit of a gap after that. George, same question for you, but for the bottom half. Like, do you think that 
I said on a on a previous podcast that I think that the bottom eight in the Premier League is maybe the worst the league has ever had. Am I being harsh there? I understand what you mean by that because I think there's a lot of clubs who I don't think have the capacity to do anything other than be in a relegation scrap, which in the past, you know, you've had maybe 15 teams that are really strong and you the obviously the top four would be predictable, but that you know f- fifth to fifteenth it could almost be anyone in any order. Whereas you look at the teams who've come up, um, Luton and Sheffield United, for example. Luton are kind of hoping that all the stuff they did to get promoted is going to keep them up, which is a big ask. And then Sheffield United are in such a precarious financial situation that they're selling their best players to their relegation rivals, um, you know, in, in a team like Burnley. Obviously, we want Burnley to probably do better because of Vinny, but they they might be down there. Mm. And it it does look bleak for a, lot, for a lot of those teams. And to then push on to get to that top half, the gap is so big, you know, Villa were in the championship not long ago and now they're spending 50 mil on a player as if it's as if it's nothing in Derby and nobody's really blinking at it and Newcastle who've been down not long ago and struggling there now one of the richest clubs in the world Brighton have this influx of money from transfers they're bidding for players Chelsea are linked with in uh, Kudus and all that kind of stuff so the gap between the top and the bottom has become so big that I do think the bottom does look very bleak right now. Yeah, I feel like that. I, I do think it's, I think it's one of those where it's, I I, I read a, an interesting stat, which is that City only won twice away against the top 10 in the Premier League last season. They only won two of the, two of the away games against the top 10, which I was a bit taken aback by when I when I read it. Um, uh, uh, there's a few, there's a there's a couple of caveats because I think we end up playing Brentford and Brighton after the league is won, and they're both top half teams, so that that does fall into it. But still, you would expect City to improve on that record. I think that I, I kind of look at us, and and it's a nice kind of segue slowly into the Burnley chat. Um, I, I feel as though. In theory, City should be aiming for 100 points this season. As mad as that sounds, I think we should be looking at this season and going, uh, and going. Let's get to let's get to 100 points to win the league. And I think we're fully capable of getting getting there. Um, before either of you answer, we're now going to segue over to Mr. Howard Hocking talking to Mr. John Warburton about Burnley tonight. I'm delighted to be joined by Burnley fan, John Warburton. Uh, good morning, John. How are you? Morning. Very good. How are you? Good to be here. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's I've got a bit of a, a flutter this morning because uh, real football is back. So, Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's exciting, it's, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's been a while, that uh, the stress and anxiety of a match day. So, uh, Have you missed it at all? Uh, how was your summer? Were you, were you glad of the break after promotion or you pretty keen to get straight back into it i was like because we did so well last year as soon as it went away i was like oh gotta wait <laughs> like three months or whatever it is like, and yeah I, you do miss it you don't you don't i i don't know it's a big part of your week isn't it really mm. i would say dictates it completely yeah <laughs> so 
how big is your excitement in a return to the Premier League? Pretty oh yeah, I can't question. wait. Like um, I was trying to finesse a day off today, but just so I wouldn't like just be going to the pub all day or whatever. But you know, just so I can just basically I have to go straight after work to go watch it in the pub now. But you know, I'm uh, no, I'm yeah, like, excited. Can't wait. And of course, Vincent Company still there was never going to leave him. <laughs> anyway, no, that was, that was in paper talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, I, I think if it was a Burnley fan, I wouldn't have been worried in the slightest. But another obvious question is: is still a god to Burnley fans, is he not? So, and part of your expectations for the season must be raised by having him in charge. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I don't think we'll be able to control possession of games as much as we did in the championship. Um. But I, I have faith that he'll be able to adapt to a new way of playing. We've signed lots of really kind of quick wingers and forwards, so I think he might be doing the basically, not long ball, but basically get it out wide, get it forward and, you know, create as much as possible rather than trying to grind results out like we did in the championship. Hmm. We spoke before the cup game last season. Uh, those who don't remember that, just sum up how... Vinny has the team playing in the how he had them playing in the championship, but just how much it was a world away from you know Sean Dyche football. Well, we, we've with Dyche, it was literally just for lack of a better word, it was like long ball, and yeah, I mean, there, there's was, there was layers to it, but to summarize, it was kind of basically just like get it forward to Wood or Barnes, they head it down and create from there, whereas company is very much. He likes his goalkeeper to be involved. He likes to play out from the back and like control possession. Like I think our average possession last year was like in the seventy to eighty percent range across the whole season. Um, and the first few games, it was like we had so much possession, but we weren't really creating chances to go with it. Um, the first game we won one nil, but we had loads of possession, but we just didn't really have. A goal for it, but then when the wingers got a bit more involved and created chances for each other and scored themselves, that basically was the catalyst moment. That because we had like Nathan, Nathan Teller, who was a winger, was our top goal scorer, mm. and um, yeah, so I think what we'll be seeing will be lots of like quick transitions from like left backs. To wingers and then attacking from them, then onwards. Will it be an issue then that you won't be able to have seventy to eighty percent possession in the Premier League? I think what we can't afford to do is basically we can't afford to be in the mindset of oh, we'd miss one chance, but we'll just score one of the six others because you don't get you don't get that. Like I reckon tonight we'll have tonight if we had <coughs> pardon me tonight if we had four shots on target against City in the entire game, I think we'll have done well. So in the championship, I think there was a bit of, oh, we've missed one chance, but we'll have six more, so it'll be okay. You won't get that in the Premier League. You have to be clinical. Not that I say our strikers aren't, um, yeah. and our forwards aren't, but you, you have to be, you have to have a killer instinct to just, if you get a chance, put it away. Obviously, it's a big jump up from the Championship to the Premier League, so you needed some big recruitment to go with that. How has it been, your recruitment? Are you happy? Obviously, we're talking on the 11th of August. There's still 
18, yeah, almost three weeks to go in the transfer window. I'm sure there will be some more activity at Burnley, but so far, how's it been for you? Good enough or more work needed? Um, yeah, overall, I'm, I'm very, I'm quite happy with our recruitment. Um, I would say, building on what I just said, I think we're a bit lacking up front. Like we had, well, we had Barnes, obviously he left. Red Vegas, who left yesterday. Rodriguez is great, but he's he's getting on a bit now. Um, we have we got Michael Obafemi from Swansea, um, who he he did score a couple of goals. It was basically on loan for us from January to the end of the season. Then we had an obligation to buy him, so we bought him. Um, but basically, our, our strikers now are Rodriguez that I mentioned. Hmm. Um. Well, it goes back to what I said before, actually, because we've got like lots of wingers, but they're basically like f- forwards. So I think they'll be expected. Basically, our, our only out and out strikers are Jay Rodriguez and Obafemi. But we did sign someone called Ziki Amdouni from Basel, who's looked really yeah. good, like absolutely rapid. And those so, are our three center, like out and out centre forwards. So you oh, we have Wild Foster as well. Think of signing into it about 15 million. Yeah, so like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, we have a Lyle Foster as well. He's, he's, right. um, he's not quite. Cl- he, he works so hard, but it's not quite clicking for him. Um, is, that, is Abduni an out and out centre forward? Then how now has he looked in preseason? Um, he looks really, really good against like we our last preseason game was against Mines. Uh, we lost three 0 but the score was very deceptive because I watched the entire game and it was bizarre. It was like they they agreed to play ninety minutes, have a break, and then play another thirty minutes. So, um, play the 90 minutes and it's like 1-0 at that point. And, you know, you'd take that, wouldn't you? But then they played an extra 30 minutes and we went on to lose 3-0. So, on paper, it looks really bad. But I don't think the team played that badly. Um, Amdouni played really well. Um, Yeah, and, yeah, he played really well. He's very quick. um, His dribbling is quite good. Um, someone I would like to highlight though is someone we signed from Espanyol about a week ago there's someone called Luca Colliosho who mm. he was controlling the game and he's he's 18 he ran through mm. like six Mines players and nearly scored um, so yeah I think I, I expect he's only 18 I mean when we bought him I was like oh we'll, we'll just buy him and we'll send him along somewhere but he looks like yeah. he's getting up running the team good stuff so yeah, uh, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, the I'm doing his looked really good. Sander Burge has come in. Have I said that, that right? I should yeah. have uh, an, an, another excellent welcome video from Burnley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was Sander Berger. Yeah, uh, that's all. <laughs> that we all know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Surprise! Sheffield United was selling selling to you as well. To be honest, I mean, yeah, I was shocked because like it's one of those signings where. We've strengthened our team and weakened a, re- a relegation rival. Mm. But he only had a year left on his contract, apparently, and he, he wasn't signing a new one. So it was like, they've got this transfer window in January to make money on him. So obviously they've just gone, well, we should probably just cash in on him. James Trafford, of course, comes in. Yeah. Uh, where's so, he coming in in the pecking order? I, I think he's... I don't think he's going to immediately displace Merrick because yeah. he, 
I know nineteen million's a hefty price to carry on your back, but I, I don't I don't think he's looked that good to be honest with you. I mean you can't really judge off four preseason games, but you know, he's young and I, I don't know, I, I to be honest with you, of all the departments to improve, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone straight to the goalkeeper. But obviously yeah. company knows it day by day. Um so maybe it was a case of Murich wanted to leave. He could still leave for all we know. Um but I, I think tonight, if I'm being honest, I would keep Murich in goal. Okay. But Do who knows I mean who knows what happens on the training pitch? It might be well, yeah. he's had a great training week, so he's he's right in there. You expecting a lot more business in the rest of August then, or do you think you're pretty much settled now? Um, I think that might be it. I mean, I would like Nathan Teller back. The romantic in me would want because he was like we all loved him. He was he was great last year. He was by far and away. Well, like um, Cullen got like the matter the player of the season, and he was great. At one of my midfielders. And we've, I think we've really missed him in preseason, um, but yeah, I think if we got Teller, that would be it. I think I'd be happy with that. I'm, I am happy with the transfer window, but I think he's someone we know fits with the squad and we know can score goals. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm I'm very surprised it's not been done by now. He's back. He's a Southampton player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so he's dropped a, back. Yeah, so obviously, from his perspective, he'd probably want to come back to Burnley and play in the Premier League, wouldn't he? So. Yeah, and it's also, I'm, I'm more, I am a bit shocked how it always seems like the top goal scorer or the top goal scorers in the Championship, it's almost like they promote themselves. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, if, if, if I scored 35 goals in the Championship next year and the team I support finished six and didn't win the playoffs... Hmm. I wouldn't be playing in the championship, would I, the next year? No. So I'd be picked up by like an Everton or a, a Norwich or someone. Big, probably the team that got promoted. Um, but yeah, no, he did really well. And it's like, I almost feel a bit sorry for him because like, he, he played in a really good team in the championship, got promoted. A lot of it was off his, off his work, hmm. his goals, his contributions. And he's just dropped back into the championship. <laughs> But I suppose that's the that's the double edged sort of long plays, isn't it? In it, is, yeah. Let's say it's almost three weeks ago. The window, who knows? So your expectations for the season? Then do you have any? Is staying up? Not, is that too basic to say uh, consolidation? There, nah. Don't I mean, get relegated, or would that be success for you? Yeah, I mean, I think just stay up. That's it. Like it's not. Like, you know, I mean, we've seen it before with like Leeds and Sheffield United, like finishing seventh and in, in ninth in there, the first season up. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we can push for the Europa League next year. We can do this. <laughs> and then they both get relegated again. Yeah. And it's like, I'd rather just be, I would rather finish like 16th this year, 15th next year, 14th the year after. For, you know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. it evolve like gradually. Whilst being in the Premier League, rather than like a flash in the pan, yeah. I just yeah, I would just I would gladly take staying up. That'd be it because it's a, it's a, the quality is like we were by far and away the best team in the Championship next year, but last year sorry, but the Premier League is a different animal. Like even the teams that aren't very good can still blow you away. 
Mm. We could play Everton tomorrow, and it could be like 4-1. Having said that, I I never do predictions because they bite you on the backside big time. (laughs) Having said that, I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure there is that much quality around, you know, in that bottom half. I don't know. Luton Town might just surprise us. Sheffield United might. Wolves might not fall apart despite everything that's gone on in the last week. Everton under Dice might be solid, but you know what? I think there's opportunities for Burnley there, absolutely. Because I yeah, think I mean, there's um, a lot a lot of averageness around you there. I think, yeah, I mean, uh, all you got to do is be better than three teams. And looking at the yeah. Premier League table map, I mean, I, I disagree. I think Wolves are, Wolves are gone. Like They're in so much debt, they can't sign anyone. They've got no money. can't even sign three signings, yeah. Can they now? No, they well, I think that's why Lopetegu uh, went. He went. He was promised this thing, then he was promised three signings only, and then he was told, no, you can't even have three signings. So, so they're just like locked to the squad that struggled last year. Yeah, and they've lost some players during the summer as well, so. See, that's crazy because they sold Neves to um, the Saudi Arabian League. Yeah. Not the league, but, you know, I can't remember the team he went to exactly. But And they got £47 million and they can't spend a penny of that. No. Well, that's... they did spend big last summer on a lot of oh, Andy January, I think, on players that just haven't done anything. And now they've obviously run the figures and thought, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, they need... Yeah, obviously FFP isn't it. They, they actually have nothing in the coffers whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, so, um, yeah, yeah, that good news for Burnley, obviously, and the, the other promoted sides and a lot of teams in financial trouble. Everton might even get points redu- yeah, deduction. We don't know, do you? So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's super strong throughout the division, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, even the, t- the elite teams, like, I mean, Liverpool really struggled last year. And they've recruited this year, but they've not really recruited in the department that they needed. So, well, they've just get, slapped hundred ten million pounds down. So, don't feel too so- uh, on Caicedo. So, don't feel too sorry for them. So, well, <laughs> defense, yeah, I still think defense maybe might be an issue for them. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like defenders, yeah. you know, if Allison, I mean, you're never going to have like an elite backup goalkeeper, but you know, they, they really basically like they really struggle with Allison. Like, but, you know, I mean, like City have two, like Ortega's, for someone who's just the backup, he's he's a quite mm. a good goalie. He is, yeah. Who knows, he might start, I don't know. <laughs> Starting in the community shield, so I don't know what's going on with Edison. So, let, yeah, let's talk the match then. Uh, so you start the season versus City. Are you happy with that or would you prefer an easy introduction? We, we talk on DM occasionally and I, I'm always saying, oh, we start slowly. I know we won 2-0 at... West Ham last season, but we don't have big pre-seasons. We don't play many games. Uh, I think Pep obviously looks at the, as you saw, chasing down Arsenal, he looks at the longer picture, i.e. you don't have to be top after four games. You have to be top after 38 games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So they looked pretty fit, I think, City in recent weeks, but I'm still not sure that they're there yet. We don't know until the season starts. But as a Burnley fan, would you rather play City right now when there's probably Friday night at home, introduction back in the Premier League, rather yeah, than, exactly. say, 10 weeks' time when the the, you know, the rhythm's all there? So, so. I mean, I think it's... I, I Yeah, I would rather play City now, and the reason is, like... Say like you fluked a 1-0 win against City, that will have you on cloud nine 
and then but if say you were in a good run of form you were like you'd won three out of five you know you're in a good place and then you just get absolutely smashed by like an informed city like eight nil that's going to have an effect isn't it i'd rather just i don't want to say get it out of the way but i'd rather just get it out of the way <laughs> yeah and annoyingly though you don't actually have a game next week do you because luton town ground isn't ready yeah i was saying that to my dad that's um i don't understand with things like that where they just don't switch the fixture i think i read i honestly i was only flicking through twitter so this might be complete rubbish that burnley turned down the offer but i don't know if that's true so it would have made more sense wouldn't it because you don't want to be playing catch-up on fixtures already do you so so yeah what about friday 8 p.m kickoff though are you a fan of that or um, I'm I, too pleased, to be honest, to be <laughs> playing, uh, starting the season off on a Friday night. So, well, it's, uh, we all know where it comes from. Don't it's the broadcasters yeah. like they can do, they can do, they can basically have like, is there a game on Monday? Yes, uh, United Wolves and so City, can... City Newcastle is eight o'clock Saturday next week. So, see, that's one I really don't agree. With. Like yeah. Friday, I think Friday night eight pm because. It's not affecting if you work nine to five, you can go afterwards. You'll be you'll be clear by like ten, you know. I, I think it's like the Sunday eight o'clock games, the Saturday eight o'clock games, they're the ones I don't really agree with. Yeah, Sunday seven o'clock's coming, I think, next season, so which is See that's like appalling, really. Yeah, like what if like you work what if like you work in an office in mm. Manchester and you're playing Arsenal on a s on a Sunday night away, like you know, I guess it's like Monday eight. It's the same thing, really. But yeah, it's just it just feels completely wrong that. So, but it's the way, as you say, it's the way it's going. So, are you optimistic about the game? Should City fans be worried about a possible upset? Um, I I'd take a point now. I mean, I because like even even an out of form City, a slow starting City, are still. Are still too strong for ninety percent of teams on the planet. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with a one-one. A but you know, uh, I mean, if yeah. it, it's it's nice to be. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we do have capacity for an upset, but it depends on cities. If City are going in and being absolutely ruthless, no chance. But if City are even mildly complacent, we could get an upset. Yeah, exactly, especially home form will be crucial, of course. Start of a season. It's not won't be the first time that an upset like this uh, would have happened. So I think you've hinted this already. How you know I put in the notes. How can you hurt City? Is it going to be down the wings? Yeah. I Is it in so. transition? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll be our wingers versus fullbacks. Um, but I'm. I don't know. Like, what what do you think of Kovacic so far? He's very very. Slow, for lack of a better word. Nah, no, he's been fine. Neat, tidy. Cool. I know he's not not speedster, obviously, but that's not what his game is. He's uh you know, I don't, I, I think he'll start. Uh, there was rumours yesterday that he'd done his crucial ligaments and went went round, and then there was <laughs> photos of him training. So uh, I think he'll start alongside Rodri, and he's not he's not brilliant offensively, but I think he's such a cultured player ball carrier and another player that hard to get the ball off as well it's so, it's so bizarre because you already had that player and then you let it go <laughs> and I don't know I, I think Gundogan is well 
We didn't let best. him go. He, he chose to leave. So, what, 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 do you reckon he just fancied a new challenge? Yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. More power to him. He was his, his contract ran out, and City offered him a contract, and he went to Barcelona, who still can't afford to register him yet, which yeah. sums up Barcelona completely. I and think he, City he, might have been a bit complacent during the season if they'd been a bit more proactive and offered him more earlier. Then maybe it would have made a difference. But yeah, they didn't. They had no choice. Basically, he decide he had an offer from City, he had an offer from Barcelona, he chose Barcelona. And Kovacic is not a Gundogan replacement, he's just, yeah, but you don't always replace players, do you? Like for like you just get players in and play slightly differently. So Yeah, yeah, that's that is um, what it is. Evolution, isn't it? So yeah. What what about key players for Burnley then? If who who's if you're gonna get a result, who's gonna be key along that, you know, from front to back? I would say whoever's in goal is going to have a lot of work to do if City are in, yeah. in the mood. And if it's Muric, his distribution to our wide forwards will be key, I think. So speaking of speaking of a uh, back to front, so Muric will be tested. Yeah. His distribution will be key. Our centre back, Jordan Bayer, he's very good, very fast, very Compose for such a young person. We do have another centre back who is really good, but his pace is not great. So he could be, I don't know, he might, Ekdal, the Swedish player, um, he might not play. He might, we might have Alder Kiel with Jordan Bayer because Alder Kiel is like a lot, he kind of has the same attributes. He's probably not as calm, but he's um, a lot quicker and he's a lot. He's like a little terrier, like he just doesn't give up and he hassles people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, centre-backs. John and Bayer will probably start, but we'll probably see Ekdal or Aldekiel with them. Midfield, yeah. I'd like. I'd be interested to see if Sander Birch just goes straight in because he literally signed yesterday. And we haven't seen a lot of Cullen in pre-season, like none, actually. So he might be playing his first game for a new club in City. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be he'll be one to watch just for a, how how is he going to do? Um, forwards, I would say. I think I think man, well, a lot of last season it was Benton coming off the bench towards the end of games, but I would like him to basically start tonight because he's actually Nard. I think he might be injured, so it'll be probably be Zorori is the one I would say, one of our, our wingers. He's very good. But, I mean, I, I would, I'd, like to, I'd like to see Rodriguez score a winner. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, but yeah. <laughs> let, him, let him score one next, well, say next week, you're not playing, yeah, in the next game instead. So, look, uh, that, that time has defeated us. Thanks very much, John. We always finish with a score prediction. Go with your head or your heart, it's up to you. Um, I went with my heart last time and that didn't work out. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say one all. Okay, I'm going to go for hard, hard fought two nil win to City. But I, truly, honestly, not being pessimistic or anything, it's going to be a battle, a tough game. I think I, I absolutely would would not expect City just to run away with it. But 
yeah, I don't know. We don't really know where we're at, do we? Either of us, you know, when you start a season, you just do not know. I don't know what the side he'll put out either, to be sure. Uh, I don't think Diaz has travelled either, so uh, that might be a concussion thing, I'm not sure. So, yeah, they're unsure of the side and unsure of what city we will see. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll know a lot more after tonight. So, John, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for taking the time out to speak to us, uh, and hopefully you can catch up later in the season as well and have another chat when we play again yeah no worries always lovely talking to you brilliant yeah thanks again very much so we'll go back to uh, the panel now that was Howard chatting to John about Burnley tonight and now we are going to chat about Burnley tonight and also the Premier League as a whole so my first question Lloyd I just said City should be aiming to get 100 points have I lost my mind little bit maybe <laughs> <laughs> little bit I, I i do agree though in that i think the overall league might be less competitive this year i think some of the some of the teams that might have taken points off you i think are going to be weaker i think palace losing zahar is massive i think tony being out for 6 months for brighton uh, for brentford is massive um i don't think luton are going to trouble many teams I think Sheffield will go straight back down so I think there's a chance that you know we might be able to get more points on the road maybe than we did last season I think the other thing in our favour is lads Haaland scored 52 last year and it was his debut I think I think he scores more this season have you not listened to you not listened to the Totally Football podcast this week Haaland's going to spend most of he's going to spend most of the uh, most of the season injured. That's the uh, that's the big shout and the big prediction from uh, from the Totally Football Boys. Oh God, better that than Alison Rudd, and I'm off to Switzerland. Then. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, right, George Burnley tonight. How you feeling? I'm feeling great about it. Not that I think we're going to obliterate them. I'm just so ready to see us play a competitive game again. And I think it's going to be a nice Friday night, opening night. We've never played the opening this opening Friday of the Premier League before. I think it would be a nice chance whilst, you know, a lot of a lot of fan bases are feeling themselves at the moment. You know, Arsenal think, you know, that they're going to kick on from where they were last season. Liverpool, Chelsea, United, everybody thinks they're going to improve. And it would just be lovely for us to go out Friday night whilst everybody's watching and just put on a bit of a show and show everybody, oh yeah, the, the treble winners are back, here we are, and uh, this is the standard, and come and come and join us if you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I do think it'll be difficult though. I, I do think that... So let me ask you this, George, and then I'll ask Lloyd as well. Um like, are they the perfect opponent because of the way that Vinny likes to play? Or is that a very dangerous way of looking at it? So what I mean by that is, would you prefer to play a team that, would you prefer to play the old Burnley where they'll just part the bus, yeah, and offer very little? Or do you think it's better to play a team like this version of Burnley where they'll come out and actually try and play? It's a tricky one, just purely on the basis that it's the start of the season. I think, obviously, first game against the old Burnley, 
they they seem to me to kick on in the second half of the season always and they were really difficult to beat because maybe they were in a relegation fight and all that kind of stuff. Whereas tonight, you know, company has a chance to make a statement, all their players do, you know, to to get one over on City opening night while everybody's watching would be masses for them and they've kind of got nothing to lose. If if they if they lose two nil, if they lose five nil, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna blink, nobody's gonna think about it too deeply. So I think the pressure is really off them, which is can be a bit dangerous. They do press very high, they're all action, they're a very fit side under company and they do play good football. I guess the only thing is they are quite a young side still. They've got James Trafford who's coming from us in net, so they're playing out from the back. They're not totally used to it yet with their new keeper. How is that going to play against you know being pressed by the likes of Haaland and Bernardo, all those kind of things? So I think it will be a tricky one tonight and I think I would rather play this version than a Daesh version just purely because the Daesh one's so frustrating to watch when everybody sat back. This will be a proper football game, I think, and it could almost be end-to-end if Burnley get a stranglehold in the game. Yeah. Lloyd? I think it's tough. I think there's a chance we don't win. All right. Which, which. You got to warn me before you say things like that. You got to say something like, I'm going to say something about Asan so that I know that's coming. Because I really <laughs> was not expecting that. I, d- I don't really think it's a precursor for the season that might come, but I can't remember the last time we've opened up a Prem. I don't feel like we have before. I just think it's hard to just be first game on telly, everyone's watching away from home. I think we, we could draw. And I don't really think that would be much of a read on where we're at, or it's going to be a disaster season or anything. I just think it's, I just think it's really hard to go away from home to a good team first up, particularly one that's promoted. They, like George says, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. If they get pumped four nil, no one cares. I don't think company cares too much, and they just move on. Don't think it changes their season. So I, I think it's really, I think it's a really tough game tonight. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's difficult, but I, I think it's, I think it's very hard to make an argument that that City don't win, even taking into account the fact that it's away from home, opening day of the season. Maybe they're a little bit undercooked. I think you know Burnley lost some players. They lost loan players. You know what I mean? Howard Bellis was probably one of their best players last season, and and he's not there. So I think that even if they've done some okay business in the window the actual physical gap in terms of the quality of the footballers that they have available and the physical gap between how good a manager Vinny is and how good a manager Guardiola is suggests to me that City will win the game in the end I don't think that I certainly can't see myself going into the game tonight with the trepidation of oh I'll take a point I think uh oh no I think we I think we win it. It's just a question of what sort of game it ends up becoming. Um and that's kind of a little bit the point of my question that in terms of the way that they play, what sort of game are you expecting? Yeah, I'm expecting a I'm expecting a similar game to when we go and play teams like Villa or Brighton those kind of teams away from home. I think 
the game in the cup actually underlined, I think, what company's going to do against the big teams this season. And you are right that they've lost Harwood Bellis. They've also lost Nathan Teller, who was their top scorer last season, who I think has gone back to Southampton. So the team's a bit different. Sander Berg's a good signing, though, from Sheffield United. I doubt he'll start. But I think I think they'll just they'll give it a crack. And, you know, Burnley's, Burnley's big problem in the Premier League, and obviously I'm a huge Sean Dyche fan, as everyone on this podcast knows, um, was that they would often just get pumped by the big teams and they weren't very competitive. And when they stayed up, they just survived on, you know, beating the bottom 10. Whereas I, I think Company's going to flip that massively this season. I think he's going to try and go toe-to-toe. And the way that the Premier League is now, actually, you, you want to attack Spurs, you want to attack you know United, you want to go for those teams. You don't want to sit back and try and kind of get a nil-nil or a 1-1. So, yeah, I, I do think they'll come for us. It's hard, though, knowing what their team will be like because I feel like I'm not that you know, well well up on what Burnley's... I couldn't name like Burnley starting 11 tonight, do you know what I mean? I, mm. I, think, that's, I think that is a bit of a d- difficulty, but I think the the game last season and knowing what companies like as a manager gives you a good idea that they'll, they will come for City and they will try and win the game. Does Walker start for you? Well, now he's agreed to stay so he can bench him. <laughs> He's not signed that contract, though. So, All right, then he starts. Yeah, okay. There we go. Um, I, I'll ask you first, Lloyd, and then I'm interested in what George thinks as well. I, I really, I think there's an interesting tactical question around Walker starting and whether you see the kind of two and the three and the two or the two and the four with Walker starting with the two fullbacks going pretty high and pretty wide or whether you see the three and the two with Walker tucking in and becoming a centre-back and one of the centre-backs stepping into into midfield. Um, what would you prefer to see? Yeah, again, I think this is hard because I, I'm struggling to think of like Burnley's threats. Like, have they got a wide player that's really good? It used to be Teller, but I he's not there anymore. So I, I like the three and the two. I think, I think that really shook teams up towards the end of last season. I think it gave us dominant like domination in midfield I think we would just get regular overload so I'd like to see that with like Walker back and then Stones kind of a bit more inside alongside Rodri so that would be my vibe but like I say I really am not well up on what's going on with Burnley so I'm very happy to be corrected yeah I mean I just kind of feel as though that sort of that sort of tactical question actually it's more it's more about like Vinicius Jr. or, you know, like the wingers at Bayern with the best will in the world. I can't see Guardiola going, I need I need my two fullbacks to act like proper fullbacks because of Burnley's wingers. It's they're just I'm not trying to again, not trying to talk them down or dismiss them, but I think that Burnley are the type of team where you go and you impose whatever it is that you want to do from a footballing point of view on the game. Um, and you let them react to you. Doesn't strike me as a situation. I mean, obviously Guardiola makes changes for every opposition, but in general, I would prefer to see the three and the two because I think it gives us more control. I think we are more attacking when we play with the three and the two. Um, 
I don't think that having Walker high and wide adds a lot to the attack. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's what I'd like to see. George, what about you? I agree. I, I think the three and the two will be the one that will go into the game with. Um, it's what won us the treble last year, and I think we'll start the season off with it. I think it's I think it's Walker's now best position as as the um, as the right hand side of that three at the back. Um, as you say, when he's high Good and job. high and wide, he he gets into great positions. But sometimes, obviously, we know his final ball leaves leaves a lot to be desired at times, and it can it can make attacks kind of falter a bit. And I'd rather have him at the back, just in case you know they've got that Benson, don't they? The winger who's who's probably one of their better players. You know, Walker can sit back, take care of him, and uh, then allow Stones and Rodri in front to push up, join the midfield. Uh, to try and dominate the ball, get a stranglehold on it. Uh, I don't think we really need to have um, these uh, these fullbacks against against the Burnley wingers, as you say. Yeah. Um, what about Foden, George? Uh, there's been a lot of Foden chat this week, and you're on a podcast with probably the two founders of the Phil Foden fan club in in me and Lloyd. A um, couple of questions, like. Does he have to play centrally this season? And does he have to start tonight? Well, if you guys are the, the two founding members of the, the Foden fan club, then I guess that makes me the treasurer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I like I'm, it, mate. I'm fully on board. And I, he's, he would always be in my City eleven. always. If he's fit and ready, he's, he's in my team. And... I think this season more than more than anything is him to start 30 games around 30 games or more in the league. I he did 22 it. prem he did 22 prem games last season that he started. Yeah, exactly. So for me I want at least 30 starts is 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 what I think Foden needs his career and if that's in the center a lot of them that's great. But even if he's playing 30 games at right winger, that's also great for me, purely because I think he we need his creativity. We need his kind of almost street footballer-esque style when he's dribbling in that team to go alongside um, these players we have who recycle it so well and all that kind of stuff. I think we need him in the squad and I think he needs it himself. He just needs to regularly be a fixture. And I don't think he personally minds if that's either centre or on the right. But I guess that then invites, oh, well, you need one position to be tied down into the team. You can't, if, you, if you're flexible, then it's almost a curse on yourself because you're there in the wings waiting to plug the holes in case one of the people who can only play one position is injured, which I think Foden has suffered from in his City's career. He's so versatile that... I think Guardiola's always kept him in his pocket just in case one of his left winger goes down, his centre mid goes down, his false nine goes down. And because he knows Foden can just plug that for him and he doesn't have to worry about it. But this season, yeah, I want Foden to start and I, and I, and I don't care if it's right or centre at this point. Lloyd, I saw a predicted team last night and the predicted team had a midfield three of Rodri, KDB and Kovacic and a front three of Grealish, Bernardo and Haaland. Um, how would you feel if that's the team that came out of the hat tonight? Yeah, I'd volley the telly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. I like if, it. 
If Phil doesn't start tonight, I think we've got a problem. What kind of problem? There's no, there is no way anyone could convince me that Foden shouldn't be starting tonight, and there's a reasonable argument for that. I wholeheartedly agree, um, but I also am cognizant of the fact that our manager is Pep Guardiola, and so it's he's very nutter if he's not starting Foden tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, my question for you then is and it kind of feeds into the team prediction thing is so what what is your preferred lineup for tonight back to front so i would go edison walker stones diaz is out isn't he yeah ake i'd throw Guardiola in or Guardiola ake who i don't know who will play left back I'd go Rodri, Kovacic, Foden. I'd leave Kev on the bench. And I'd go Bernardo Grealish and Harland. George, would you prefer that lineup or would you prefer a lineup where Foden starts wide right or wide left and KDB starts in the middle? I think for tonight and where we are with the squad as it is now, I think I'd rather see a team yeah, um, of my kind of midfield and attack would be Rodri, Bernardo, KDB and then Foden on the right, Haaland and then Grealish on the left. But then you are leaving out Kovacic who I guess is probably going to start. So I think you could also, if if he does want to ease Kevin, then put Kovacic in the midfield um, and then have Bernardo in the middle and Foden on the right, purely because I think if you have Bernardo and Grealish on the wings, I think you... Obviously, those were the two players who started in the big games, but we saw in both the FA Cup final and Champions League at moments, they were, Grealish was like ineffective. Just Bernardo got a lot of joy, but we, I think we need somebody with a bit more dynamism on the wing. Mm. Um, to really get at teams like Burnley. Obviously, they'll play football, but they're not going to, company's not going to be a fool. He's going to have them sat back at times. And I think you need somebody out wide with a bit of a burst of acceleration, bit of trickery, who's going to get in behind, beat a man. And I think Foden's the only guy we have who play can play winger who does that right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I think obviously a lot of it depends upon De Bruyne's fitness. Um, but I would say that if this is my take, my take is if you're going to play Bernardo and Grealish on the wings, you've got to play Kev and Foden in the two, eight positions. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so therefore I think that if Kev is fit and you're going to play Kovacic and Kev, then you've got to play Foden in one of the, in one of the wing positions. And if Kev isn't fit, then you've got to play Foden, um, as the eight, along with uh, along with Kovacic, um, Lloyd, he's just, would not, you... he's just not leaving Bernardo on the bench for Foden, though, is he? Which is mental, but he's just not. No, but I, I mean, you know, I, guess I think he's going. I think he's going to be on the bench tonight. Which and I'm going to volley the telly. If that I feel sorry for your telly. I was going to say, yeah, total lad, it's done nothing wrong. I'm going to get volleyed on the opening day of the season. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I, I think that 
I, I find myself in a spot where, as much as I love Pep, I think that if he picks a team tonight without Foden, considering the impact that Foden has made, I don't, not just not just in the Community Shield, but I think the impact that Foden has made whenever he's taken to the pitch uh, at the end of last season and in preseason, I think that's really disappointing because I think that, for, from my point of view, you have to have a level of honesty in terms of going those who perform get to keep the shirt and i don't think bernardo or grealish have done anywhere near enough in the last kind of pre-season like look at the community shield in general i don't think they've done enough to go they both get in ahead of phil i think that in a way for the moment, you've got the KDB injury and you've got to decide on that. And if he's not fit, then you play Foden. It's obvious. But I think if Kev's fit, I think one of one of Jack or Bernardo probably has to sit it out for Phil. It's funny that, you know, I was speaking about Foden on the right so much, but just thinking what after this discussion, the player of the wingers, who I think has actually been the most ineffective in the last, say, five competitive games is Grealish. But... His his spot seems to be tied down and it's never really debated at the moment because obviously he did have such a great campaign last year. But in the two finals, Grealish really didn't do much. And in the Community Shield, you know, he, he didn't do much. Where, and whereas Bernardo, you know, had big moments in those games. But for some reason, Grealish is, is it's kind of like just, oh yeah, Grealish is playing left wing and... Uh, and if Foden's going to come in, it's going to be right or central. It's it's strange how it's gone to that when Foden used to be playing on the on the left for us. I've heard again that Grealish is struggling a bit with his hip injury. Oh wow! Well then, maybe maybe that that kind of makes the decision for uh, for Pep in terms of how he uh, uh, how he how he gets Phil into the team tonight. Um, I guess we're all in agreement. We'd like to see Phil start tonight. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Right, gentlemen. In that case, I'm I'm wrapping up the inaugural Friday show of the 23-24 football season. And there's only one question I can wrap it up with. And that is, Lloyd, at the end of the season, will Man City be champions? Yeah. George, will City be champions? Four in a row, back-to-back Champions Leagues. Have a bit of that. I'm telling you. The four in the row, four in a row is going to be the motivation this season. And I agree. I Definitely. think, uh, I think it happens. Right. Lloyd, thank you very much. A pleasure. George, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Mr. Hawking and Mr. John Warburton. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened. This was the Friday show on the Night 320 podcast. If you like this, you're not a member of the Night 320 player, go to our Twitter feed, go to our website, check out what the Night 320 player is. Be safe, be well, and as always, up the treble winning blues.